The Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast is proudly supported by Prince Wine Store. Prince Wine Store bring wine enthusiasts the greatest wine in the world and they deliver Australia-wide. Visit princewinestore.com.au and enter the promo code MESS at the checkout to receive a special Don't Shoot the Messenger listener discount. I thought about decorating my Christmas tree with all my masks. Oh, well, such a dumb idea. <laughs> well, they're easily to, easy to hang. Very topical. Well, I was taught in the 60s, like a Richmond plumber, always have plenty of cash in your back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> and they always did too, bless them. He approaches his novels like an architect approaches a drawing, layer upon layer and incredibly precise. My grandmother gave my grandfather, who was not a caftan-wearing man, Fred, <laughs> who the dog's named after, a caftan from George's for Christmas. You said one of the topics was, did I like turkey and plum pudding? And I've prepared a speech about how much I like turkey and plum pudding. Well, go on. You can still oh, like it. Well, Carol, you've buried the lead. No turkey, no buzzard. I can Cannot believe it. Don't shoot the messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Welcome everybody to episode 157 of Don't Shoot the Messenger. Yes, it is time for our 2020 finale, Corey Perkin. We had our penultimate episode last week. That means second last. And now we're doing our last episode for the year. (laughs) To quote my favourite saying. Picking up from where we left off. So um, more more family guests this week. From my point of view, we have my mother, Julia, who's come in in person this time, Mum. Thanks for coming in. Oh. That's fun, darling. <laughs> Hello, Julia. And Anna Barry, a.k.a. Anna from the Op Shop, has joined us again, back by popular demand. Yay, girls! Yes. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you both. We're going to be talking largely all things Christmas this year. Can I just open... A lot of, a lot of frivolous chat today. Can I just open, though, with a traditional um, thing for this program, a GLT. Are you aware, ladies, that Margaret and David have actually filmed a review of 2020? They did it the other day. My daughter Clem told me about it. And guess what? They don't agree on anything. <laughs> I really Thank recommend you, you watch it. I'm not going to say any more. What, what device or how do we oh, watch just, it? I think it's YouTube. Okay. Yep, it that is, could be a Christmas it is, highlight. It is, isn't that a yeah. great idea? Great idea. Anyway, so that, that's my little tip. Corrie, do you have any housekeeping? No, I just want to get to our show because we're just going to talk fun stuff today. I don't have any housekeeping, but... Oh, well, actually, I do have one, Kara. I just wanted to say um, a big thank you again to all the potties who are coming into the shop and buying books as a result of hearing you and I and Don't Shoot the Messenger. I tell you what, Caro, you need to give me the heads up every time you talk about a book that's about 45 years of age, 45 years old or older, because there's a run on stock and they all come in. Who's that Thurley that you've put her on to? Thurkle. Thurkle. <laughs> Julia, Angela this is your... Thurkle. Thank you, Julia. Do you know how long it took me to find An- Angela... I keep wanting to get say Angela Merkel. <laughs> it is a bit of a tongue twister. Maybe. And, and, and can you believe that someone we knew actually lived in her house as a youth? Christine Dunn. I know. Life is so bizarre, bizarre. But anyway, thanks, everybody. It's just been great to have you in the shop. And all I know you're all out there supporting local businesses. And, of course, our Click for Vic gang and our Prince Wine Store are two businesses. Well, Click for Vic represents a lot of businesses around uh, Victoria. And we just want to urge everybody to keep in touch with them as well because it's great to spread 
the love locally, isn't it, Caro? Visit Victoria and spend those travel vouchers. Now, Mum, we spoke to you um, in the, well, not in the heart of lockdown, but you couldn't come into the studio and now you can. What good have you taken out of 2020? Well, look, darling, a lot of people of my age found it very relaxing. We did the same things every day and we weren't obliged to put ourselves out for anyone. We polished our furniture. We tidied our papers. My mother's old checkbooks dating from the 40s and 50s <laughs> finally went out. I reread all the old letters. Good granddaughter Clem, who achieved, uh, what do you call it, a shout out to her. She kept me going with foodstuffs, advice and purchased many boxes to store all different stages of memorabilia. They're all under friends, party invitations, wedding invitations, stuff that should have gone long ago, but now it's all boxed. It never will. Well, no, look, look, that's true. And I must say, I remember you saying to me when we had an almost perfect birthday celebration for you because... One of your sisters delivered a care package, in inverted commas, which meant she was able to stay for a quick sherbet. You went to the market um, very early in the morning and you didn't do much of that in the heart of lockdown and made some beautiful bar snacks. And we sat around in your garden, all very much distanced, and gossiped for about two hours or three hours into the cold, cold early spring night. And then I went home and Rose called and told us she was having a baby. Yes. And then we both, I went home and watched Richmond Beach Geelong. It was a Friday night game. And you rang me after the game and said that was the best birthday I've ever, <laughs> ever had. Well, I could have two sisters. One bought the care package and the other, so much younger than me, beautiful Lil, um, was my carer. So it couldn't have worked out better. <laughs> no one allowed to go to the lavatory in the house, but no. we rise above that. We won't talk about what happened to me one day when I was made to do a wee in the garden. But anyway, I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna dwell on that. Anna, what what would you what about you? What would be your summation of twenty twenty? Well, I suppose the highlight <laughs> for me was we got the COVID puppy. So oh, that was yes. an, I mean looking at, at your glass half full. But other than that, not and the Tigers won. Yep. So other than that, they they would be my absolute two highlights. I tell you what, Annie, you were on the money getting the COVID pu- puppy early in the piece because prices of puppies went up about 40, 50%. If you could find one, that is. True. Well, and, well, Anna, you and I both turned 60, so we had mm. um, big plans that didn't eventuate, but we both found that doing something in a very, very minimal nature was still really nice. Oh, lovely. And, I mean, you, I think... I mean, one thing was being locked down that you just loved your local neighbourhood. You loved the yes. gardens. I loved being just small and, you know, you just lowered your expectations, lowered your eyes and that's what you did. We, well, found, I mean, we found a few new walks, but you... Oh, we had fun. Don't, the thing, I mean, the thing not, that made you, if I can speak for you, that I remember making you most grumpy was that you could only talk to people while you were moving. I hated that. I hated that you were always moving. You know when you go out to a drinks party and you look someone in the eye and you're having dialogue? I hated that everything was jiggling. I, lo- I love the fact we mad. can sit down and have a cup of coffee together after a walk. Exactly. And we all just look at each other. And, you can and we can s- now take a mask off. I know, and you can actually see someone's face. I found the masking really horrible. You couldn't really feel how someone was or... 
No, and in, and in fact, it is interesting now when you see masks and you have to remember to carry one because you might end up somewhere where you need totally. to wear one. I'm not, not enjoying it. In fact, I did have a GLT idea that I didn't go on with. I thought about decorating my Christmas tree with all my masks oh. because you know how no. people... Well, we have well, such a dumb idea. Well, well they're easily to, easy to hang. Very topical. We've got some beautiful colours. You know, we had some lovely podcast listeners who sent us in beautiful masks. Your, you, a lot of yours were Richmond Football Club colours. That would be a very odd-looking tree. No, not say. a good idea. Thumbs I, down from... Thumbs down. thumbs down, Joel. No, I don't think sounds festive at all. I don't want to see your masks. The, the, I did want to just briefly talk about cash because, Corrie, you run a business, so you can tell us more about this than others. The coffee I bought this morning... I paid for with cash because the local coffee shop, um, Albert Marino, our lovely friends, who kept me going to a large degree during mm, lockdown. And me when I was in Melbourne. Because they were so cheerful every single day and they opened every single day and all the locals would go there and sort of vaguely think they were at a cocktail party. It was so nice to see people. <laughs> but they love cash. But nobody's using it anymore. And I wonder whether people ever will again. Oh, I think you're a bit wrong about that, Caro. I've noticed since reopening, uh, what was it, six or seven weeks ago, Anna, I think we were allowed to open our stores. Um, the cash is coming back. It was slow to begin with. And people for the first few weeks are saying, oh, are you taking cash at this stage? But now they're just handing out the $50 bill. So uh, a lot of businesses still aren't doing it, but I don't think cash is dead yet. I think it's not king. It's certainly not the king it was, but it's still out there. I think cash is still king. I love cash. I love I'm, cash. I absolutely <laughs> love cash. And although Ruby says cash has gone... I find all that tap, tap, tapping. I don't you know, know where I annoying. am. You know what's annoying? The phone. I, I can't. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's people who, uh, it, I, and I know the I know the software will get better on this, and I know in six months' time this will be an obsolete observation. But people who sort of play around with their phone and they take about 20, 30 seconds, sometimes even longer, to get the phone onto the right app or whatever oh. it is to then tap. And it would just be so much easier to give me Cash. a fiver for a Christmas card. Couldn't agree more. No, I mean, I'm I'm of the checkbook school, so of course I love cash. <laughs> I'm old school, but... Yeah, no, I mean, I, no, I don't think direct debit transferring is you've got across yet, have you? I haven't. Without... I have to get one of the children to do it and then I have to pay them back. So there's a lot of... Yes, when when Anna and I owe each other money, I'll get an envelope at my front door, and I'm very happy. What's wrong with, that. with folding? No, I'm, no, chopper. I'm, no, there's a lot of people who do. You still have to pay. No, I, I agree, but a lot of people just turn their noses up when you get it out. And one thing, the other thing that disappeared for those few months was my diary and my wallet. And, you and your handbag. I never yes. had a handbag. Mm. I just had a sort of, you know, a pocket money yeah. in your pocket. Yes, exactly. Well, I was taught in the sixties, uh, like a Richmond plumber, always have plenty of cash in your back pocket. Yeah, <laughs> and they always did too. Bless them. Well, all, all my rich friends say the best time to have cash or money is when no one else has it. So I guess that's one lesson from um, from mm. this year. Mum, um, I just want to quickly ask you about the Sydney Meyer Music Bowl because. Um, They've announced that concerts are coming back in January, which is just fantastic. It is one of Melbourne, I reckon it's one of Melbourne's great landmarks. And because I've got a memory of it with you, I thought you could share it. Oh, well, only that I took you all to the Seekers concert where <laughs> I was wrong as usual, thought there'd be, a, I suppose, a couple of thousand people. Well, how many were there, Carol? Still in the Guinness Book of Records. <laughs> yes. The greatest outdoor concert attended ever. Was it, was it 100,000 or Over something? Over 100,000 yeah. people. Oh, more than the grand final. Incredible. Well, we got there, I know. 
We did get there in plenty of time because we got a rug space. Do you remember? <laughs> I remember. I just remember the crowds. And, and then you all running off in every different direction. <laughs> Judith Durham, far, far away. I mean, it was a long oh, way away, but it was a fantastic it concert. It was beautiful. And I want to send a cheerio to someone now gone who designed it, Barry Patton, a great friend. And mum, well, just quickly while we're on concerts, because Festival Hall is closing down, which again is really sad, as opposed to great news. The House of Stoush. But (laughs) you actually went to the Beatles, didn't you, at Festival Hall? Yes. Well, that was terrible. I mean, you never heard. My mother said They just screamed. Everybody screamed right through. You didn't hear any music at all. I can't explain, just none. Well, I've been there to a ghastly boxing match too. George doesn't sound like you. I'm not regretting the House of Stash, I can tell you. (laughs) I can't believe I actually dropped children at a concert at Festival Hall, which sort of modernised it a bit. But Anna, what's your best memory? Of Festival Hall? best concert. I'm... I think Billy Idol, from memory, he I performed was, under a pair of yep. blow-up legs. I Can you imagine you. doing that now? <laughs> just saying. Ladies' legs. Just saying. Corrie, legs 11. I remember that. Uh, I would probably say the police uh, might have been, what, about 1980, yep. followed by Joe, oh. Joe Cocker. At they Festival much Hall? A, yeah. I reckon I was with you at the police. My first ever one, um, Dad took me and my sister to Gary Glitter and he came out on the motorbike. I know you can't really talk about that now. (laughs) And said, do you want to touch me? (laughs) He's up there with Billy Idol. uh, No, and in naughty way, though. Um, Caro, and Anna and Jewel, I went to a friend of all of ours uh, concert the other night, which was just such a joy to go to a live event. And I realised it was the first live event I've been to all year because in that little period... Um, there was no going to anything. So it really was my first event. I went to the Jazz Lab in Brunswick and I heard our friend Deborah Conway, although it was not officially her concert, it was her daughter's, Alma, who'd put it together. But it was a Jewish family Christmas. So you know that um, Deb and her husband, Willie Ziggier, are, um, the family are Jewish, and, um, but they love the music of the Christmas carol. Not so much your traditional King's College choir ones, the English More ones. More sassy. Yeah, well, as well as it's a, bri- Alma, it's a brilliant concert. As, Al- it? as Alma said, a lot of the uh, Broadway, as we call them, you know, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, mm. uh, you know, that sort of thing, um, were written by Jewish people who had migrated to America, and they thought this was a phenomenal um, institution, this thing of Christmas, and they wanted to be a part of it in some kind of way. So a lot of those carols were written by Jewish composers, and it was just such a great concert that to have three girls. I mean, Willie and Deb have three young women daughters, each with an individual on stage personality, each with a very different voice. Gosh, I felt so proud. I said, I went up to Deb afterwards and said, your family has given me joy tonight because I had a pretty rough day at work. It was just such a great and how, thing And do. how's Deb? He's such, you know, she's such an individual performer herself, but he's so proud. Anna and I went last year to the same concert oh, and Rose went the year before. We absolutely loved it. And it's we, the best. It, and, and what I, you yeah. know, one of the things I love too. Alma was, is a very talented girl. So they did. So they all are. Willie did a... Um, Deck the Halls, or it might have been Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and he had composed it or rewritten it into a kind of a Jewish sort of slightly Havana Gila. Now, how do you do that? Instead of playing it in the major key, you turn it into the minor key and you change the beat ever so slightly. So instead of, I think, it being 3-4, it's changed to 7-8 or something. Anyway, I'm not such a good musician, I don't know, but that was outstanding. 
outstanding. And then, of course, at the end of it, he does play Havanaki last night. That was just great. I loved it. And I how, hope it happens next year. Yeah. How great's the Jazz Lab as well? Oh. I mean, fantastic Melbourne venue. Oh, and I, I know you've got a cross So town. dying to get and back. I, dying I, to get I back. ordered a, a whiskey and soda for Coco and I, and the girl said, oh, do you want the house whiskey? I thought, oh, yeah, that'll do. It was fantastic whiskey. I don't know what it was. It, what a great venue and really good acoustics. So, yeah, that was my thrill for um, Christmas. Now, girls, a very Jew- from a very Jewish Christmas to a very Aussie Christmas, it's just days away. Anna, what does you- what, well, you've already had one celebration and people will be able to look at our show notes and, or our social media and see your Christmas table. I have done the Christmas table. I'm, this year I'm having, I think, a few smaller gigs. And instead of Christmas Day, we're doing Christmas Eve just oh. because... It's Christmas and it's going to be different. And the son seems to be having a party on Christmas Day <laughs> round the pool at his renter. So uh, the whole family is now having Christmas Have Eve. you been invited to the party around I the pool? I certainly have not. And I fear <laughs> for the poor, quiet. The neighbours. The neighbours. But um, so Christmas Day, I think I'll just be doing my best. And I actually thought once I've tidied up everything from Christmas Eve... Might put the grand final on. Give it a rerun. <laughs> Merry Christmas oh, well. to me. Mm. Did you did you end up doing the country style ham? No, I haven't. I'm I actually I wanted to, and then I thought I'm going back to tried and true. I'm doing Dad's ham with the pineapple, the orange glaze, and the cloves. It looks so beautiful. Yeah, I actually did one last night, which I'll talk about in a yeah. moment. But I thought that crusted one did look interesting, I but thought quite it, tricky. I thought it looked lovely, and then I thought, too ambitious. I've got too mm. much on the plate. Did you do Anna Barry's famous turkey recipe? I have I've brined. I'm going to be brining again. I hope we're all brining this year. Um, no, I'm, I'm actually sort of organised. I've got lists upon lists upon lists for each different function. But last night we had the berries and that was gorgeous and small fry and it was lovely. Well, Mum, we're not, as you know, doing a turkey this year. Last time it's I heard we were playing it by ear. No, we're no, we're And it's fallen um, off her chair here. Seafood. I mean, no brining. Seafood. I'm no. sorry, no brining for the... Moggs and Will said they want seafood this year and we've picked up the ball and run with it. Clem's organised the order. I it's must all... say Clem does a very good seafood Crayfish dish. has never been cheaper. That's oh. true. Uh, <laughs> I know. I can tell. Now, Julie has fallen off her chair. Carol, are you killing the guests one by one? We are having a ham and, Mum, you're on roast potatoes. We were going to ban them as well, but I think that some of the nephews jacked up. So we're you, having... you said one of the topics was, did I like turkey and plum pudding? And I've prepared <laughs> a speech about how much I like turkey and plum pudding. Well, go on. You can still oh, like no. it. Well, I want to hear <laughs> it because I'm having it. I, no, that's later in, on in the show, to, actually. Come to our house, Jewel. Carrot, you've buried the lead. No turkey, no buzzard. I cannot believe it. Well, Anna, you're having it on Christmas I Eve. Know. I've never heard of that before either. I know. So, oh, so European. I know, exactly. And at least I'm having so, turkey. <laughs> and ham. What about you, Corrie? I know. Oh, pass. <laughs> a very chaotic Christmas. Oh, look, I, well, look. I have to just preface that. I'm not, it's not because I'm lazy or anything because usually we do get into the Christmas spirit, but we're having two babies in the next few days and we don't know when they're arriving and one will be in Ballarat and one will be in Melbourne and it could be like that scene from um, Father of the Bride 2 where he's running between the labour wards of his wife who at an older age has become unexpectedly pregnant and his daughter who is having her first baby and, and poor Steve Martin is running between the, it That's could be right. me up and down the Ballarat freeway but mm-hmm. look the intention is that we are um, going to Lib and Will's house we've said to Lib 
um, and we'll look. Don't do a thing. We're all bringing something, so it's all a bit of a lovely buffet well, thing. She is nine months pregnant. That's, That's fair right. Enough. Yeah, just you just just sit sit there. No, she won't sit on a chair because she's very active. But that will be the start of the day, and then the end of the day we will be in Ballarat with um, also Francesca being told not to do anything, and we'll bring everything. So the car's going to be full. It's going to be a very odd on the road Christmas. But do you know what? It doesn't matter to me this year. I just want the two healthy, beautiful babies. So that. That's all we're focusing on. And if we all get together at some point in the day, that'll be a bonus. Well, Mum, Moggs has designed our colour theme. It's yellow and terracotta. Oh, could I just interrupt with the best political remark of the year? Did you hear in Parliament? Someone said how disgraceful it was. Not enough baby hospitals or not enough ambulances or something. And someone had to have a baby by the side of the road. And I think it was Scott Morrison said, luckily we broadened the Barton Highway. (laughs) I thought that was the political (laughs) remark of the year. Now, I want this this topic is just very brief, but Mum was talking with her two sisters the other day at a very funny bridge game round at Button's house about Christmases and summer holidays past. Is it true you were made to wrap up your clothes in newspaper? when you went away to the seaside for Christmas? Oh, every weekend. Or brown paper was allowed. But Newspaper? That would leave print on the clothes. Well, that's what No, they... it, it was for um, suitcases might damage the leather on the um, Pontiacs or DeSotos. <laughs> Which was Grandpa's car. Grandpa's choices of autos. Wrap up their clothes. And that, that then reminded me of funny Christmas stories. I mean, my worst ever present was um, when... Lovely step-grandmother, no longer with us, Marion, gave me a red, white and blue sort of tarpaulin um, and it had a list of uses and one was you could use it to cover your motorbike, which was a pretty funny <laughs> present. <laughs> so what did you get? Did you get at your Kawasaki 75 and put it over it? <laughs> we all got one. But Anna, then you had you told me a story about your grandparents and a very funny Christmas gift. Oh, oh. <laughs> My grandmother gave my grandfather, who was not a caftan-wearing man, Fred, who the dog's named after, a caftan from George's for Christmas. He said, Nan, I don't like the look of it. She said, and you know how, though, back in the day, everything had pins around the collar and bits of cardboard. So she unpinned it all, said, Fred, try it on. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be great for the summer. He put it on. He said, dreadful, Nan. I'm just not wearing it. Take it back. And so she was trying to get all the pins back in and he's shouting at it. That's the worst Christmas present ever. And then he said, and anyway, you know, hurry up and get it back. And she said, Fred, I'm doing my best. And he famously turned around and said, Nan, your best isn't good enough. (laughs) So he's dissed the present and then dissed her returning it. That is hysterical. <laughs> and anyone who remembers Anna's grandfather, Fred Gilder, will be laughing their heads off at the thought of him in a caftan. A caftan. Corrie, do you have any really bad Christmas present memories? Or- I, I don't have a bad Christmas present memory. I have a couple of bad Christmas pre- uh, Christmas episodes. So our puppy, you know, you're in puppy land at the moment, we had bought a poodle who... Well, as you did in sort of 1966 or 67, we called her Duchess. You wouldn't be seen dead with that name now. But um, mum had had bought little chocolate 
Christmas, uh, Father Christmases for all the children in the neighbourhood and put them in cellophane paper and put them under the mm. tree. And, of course, Duchess got into this. Well, it was almost like Mr Turnbull, Joe's dog, who had to have the stomach pumped after devouring the Christmas stolen. Oh. Dutch, Duchess just lay there. We thought she died off to the vet. World's it was very dreadful. dog. Yeah. And, and, you know, as my mother always, you know, remembered later, it cost double on Christmas Eve to take your dog to the vet. Yes, well, of course. It's amazing how often there's a health crisis with a family member around Christmas. Or or in the case of Mr Turnbull, a pug dog who happens to move the chair to the dining table, jumps up on the chair, dumps up on the table, pulls apart something that's wrapped in cellophane and alfoil and eats the entire Christmas stolen. What sort of pug dog does that? Remember he got my sandwich out of my handbag after mm. um, the grand final. I thought it was impenetrable. <laughs> anyway, miss, I saw heard Mr Turnbull sniffing round in my <laughs> tiger's handbag. Oh. Poor Mr Turnbull, he's got very bad PR. <laughs> that was still the best party of the year though, wasn't it? Oh, still. After Richmond yeah, won the so flag funny, last I was year. There, I was yeah. there watching the grand final on that balcony and then it was all very quiet and I said to Joe, oh, we better go home now before Richmond takes off. Little did I know Julia was Wilson town. was walking toward <laughs> the house as we were leaving and then declared it later the best grand final party you've ever been to, Joel. Oh, and the lady next door I'd never met. We became great friends and she's been dropping food, food parcels in <laughs> and I dropped flowers into her. And um, Didn't Merrin take you to um, to see Geoffrey Blaney speak somewhere about Tasmania? Yes, yes. Oh, see, she friendships did. can come out of grand oh. final. A good, and she a good grand out. final will do that. <laughs> yes. Oh, it was a wonderful party. We stayed for hours. It was a great And Joe was such a fabulous host. And, and someone yes. said who would have thought the after party would be after as parties. good. Yes, Corrie, it was sad you left because you oh, no, Actually, you know what? You would have all just driven me crackers, so I'm sort of glad I went. Um, we should move on, Caro, to the cocktail cabinet. And I think, Julia, you have a recipe for us. But first of all, I just want to acknowledge our dear friends at Prince Wine Store, who we love. <coughs> Excuse me. And they have been so supportive of the podcast in this back half of the year. So thanks, Prince Wine Store. And we hope you'll go around again with us um, on the cocktail trolley next And year. I can highly recommend the Acobia Bitter, which is mm. used instead of Campari in the Negroni. Mum, you, this is this is definitely your favourite cocktail and you make it so well. So tell us what it is oh, and no, how um, you make it. I had no idea I was doing that. This is so down market. <laughs> now, my favourite is Brandy Crusted, which I can't get the Cointreau at the moment. So Curacao, Cur- I mean. No, I just buy um, cheap little bottles of Prosecco. Julia's champagne cocktail recipe, and, everyone. And put a, put a sugar cube in the bottom of the glass, sprinkle liberally with Angostura bitters, um, left over from many, many dear departed alcoholics, so you always have a store of them. <laughs> oh, we're not going there. And fill it up with um, the cheaper Prosecco. Don't you put a tiny bit of brandy in as well? Oh, well, yes, that's a bit of an additive. Yes. You, so yes. the sugar cube's got a bit of bitters and a little bit of brandy. A lot of bitters. Mm. A lot of bitters, a little bit of brandy, and then you just pour the Prosecco or sparkling wine over the top. Yes. But you so. only have brandy in your cupboard if someone else has died, don't you? Even here oh, no, 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 no. Mum, Our friends mum loves drink brandy. Oh, no, mm. brandies are very much... In fact, oh, I remember... It's so drink. funny. I haven't had a brandy dry or anything with brandy for eons. What about was, a brandy crust? One of the best drinks ever. I know, but Anna, 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 it would have been 30 years. 
I have not had a brandy, oh, a drink I, with brandy. I've had one this year. Well, is it, no, it's funny, Corrie, because mum never really drank when we were growing up. But I and remember. Now she's an alcoholic. No, well, I, but I remember yes. only in later life, you know, mum having a, dr- a glass of wine. Like when I was sort of 18, maybe, you would have a rose. But what I mainly remember you having was a brandy and orange, and you would yes. squeeze a fresh orange juice. Well, our stepmother, you know, she drank that, and I. I think Anna's mother probably drank a brandy and dry. And, Jewel, when you took me to a grand final probably 20 years ago, she, you said, Anna, here's a heart starter. I <laughs> thought it was just the freshly squeezed OJ, and I thought, God, Jewel's incredible. She thought of everything. <laughs> My goodness, a very liberal slug of brandy. Well, Anna, it was fabulous. Our fathers used to go to the footy before oh. Dad had to go to official stuff when he was president, and they would take a thermos of mum would make hot milk and whiskey. Mm. Oh, disgusting. Imagine that curdling in your stomach. Now, click for Vickers, Corrie said. Visit Victoria has been one of our great sponsors this year. It's not too late to jump onto the Click for Vic website and order your local goodies for Christmas. Four Pillars has some fantastic bargains going around at the moment. Well, bargains. Their gin is unbelievable. Their Christmas gin you can still buy. Absolutely beautiful. They even do marmalade made from gin. What And, and, and hand sanitizer. And, and ladies, don't forget you're coming to my olive oil party over summer. So I've been Name the pi- day. piling up the olive oil and we're going to have fresh bread and we're going to have an olive oil tasting from olive oils all around Australia. Oh, Victoria, Jewel. Oh, well, I know, you're looking a bit local, You're very excited about this, um, aren't you? There's a lovely man where we at Portsea, and he Good comes Ziggy. into um, all your olive trees. He asks everybody who plays bridge, would you let me take some of your olives? And then he does, apparently, when you're not there. Months later, you find the best bottle on your doorstep. Mm. Great. A good neighbour will do Peter. That. Click for Vic and get the best of Victoria delivered at visitvictoria.com forward slash click for Vic. Or just follow the links in our show notes. And if you're on the road, just go and visit a local producer and spend some money. You won't regret it. Now, um, and also, of course, we want your recommendations. Email feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. Anna, you have a crush. Oh, heavens. I do have a crush. Sorry, I wasn't on the ball there. Now, my crush this week is part crush and part in memoriam. And it's that British literary giant and spy novel writer who's written 25 novels and apparently sold 60 million copies, Corrie, A Bookseller's Dream. Wow. Um, John Le Carre, who died this week, I think, aged 89. Anyway, AKA David Cornwall. Uh, Corrie. You're about to say that, I'm sorry. I'm just about to say. I'm <laughs> sorry. Not, no, I'm not saying much. I'll be quiet now. I'm just saying... Um, Le Carre, who perfected the Cold War spy genre, was in real life David Cornwall, a former real life spy who wrote his first novel under the non de plume, John de Carre, and stuck with the name. Who can ever forget his greatest character, George Smiley, in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and yep. Smiley's People, my husband Chris's favourite? And who hasn't read or seen a film or TV adaptation of The Spy That Came In From The Cold, The Constant Gardener or The Night Manager? We all grew up reading... Did he write The Night Manager? Yes. 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 That was fantastic. I mean, I was just going to say, we all grew up reading his novels and I think he introduced me to the world of spying and to the sort of subterfuge and espionage of the whole trade. So he's my crush. Yeah, he's, how many? I mean, I hope he made lots of money out of his films as well. His um, 
repertoire is incredible, isn't it? And I think he published a book last year. Like he was yes. completely we writing. Sold, we sold it. We up sold until it his well death. last year. And he said, "Only you know, I've got so much to say, but you know, I know I'm go- I'm close to going." And I think taken out by pneumonia. Oh, yeah, at and the it age wasn't of COVID. Yeah, and they were yeah. they were very particular to say it wasn't, it wasn't COVID. COVID. Yeah, but Anna, I think it's a really good idea for a crush to nominate this chap because it's we're coming into summer reading, and who better to sit down with on the banana lounge or wherever you are than John Le Carre? And um, he was once described as he approaches his novels like an architect approaches a drawing, layer upon layer and incredibly precise. And the other thing about Lakari is he came along at a time when, if you remember, Kim Philby, Guy Burgess, you know, all of the dramas, all of the dramas of those terrible, terribly badly behaved British, um, we thought, good guys that turned out to be Russian Mm. spies incognito. And so Britain really had a terrible image problem with its espionage. So... Along comes John O'Carry, makes it makes a um, a hero out of this improbable uh, smiley, mm. and um, you know the rest is history. I think he just really redefined the spy novel. For I love novel. the smiley books when he was in retirement and back in London, that, and um, Mum gave and me it was a couple so of talking books. And, and Brendan and I take them on road trips, and they are just what? so. And Mum, Girls? it was a great friend of our. You know, our friend Bruce Wilson, another dear departed. Oh, London really? bureau. Yeah, he was. Oh. Bruce was my London bureau chief, and I was round at his house in Chelsea one night, and he said, "I've been asked to my friend David Cornwall's for um, dinner. Would you like to come?" And I said, "Not, not real or lunch in the country. Would you like to come?" And I said, "Look, no, I can't. I've got something on, but thank you." You know, didn't actually realise uh, that David mm, Cornwall. Good grief! And you were bad call. Bad, well, I think, bad I think call. Bruce could have given you the heads up. Well, there. that's a bit mean. He actually look. He, he then did, and he said, "Look, to be honest, he's a bit of a grumpy old thing, and he probably wouldn't appreciate me bringing someone else anyway." But, oh, you yeah. would have been a pretty little Australian oh, girl Carol, to cheer him up. You might have met one of his four sons, <laughs> one of which I think is a novelist. You might as be well. Mrs. Cornwall, I living know. in Cornwall, Mrs. Seeds. <laughs> I'm very happy with Mr. D, but thanks anyway. <laughs> Anna, that is a great um, crush. And continuing on the genre of yes. BSF, um, you're going to give us your top three books of 2020 and then we'll ask Mum a couple of tips as Look, well. they actually aren't my top three books because we have rather discussed probably my top reads on the podcast. So these are just three reads that I have read recently and I've absolutely loved. So the first one, very quickly, is called The Guest List by the award-winning English journalist Lucy Foley. And it's a brilliant thriller and it's an absolute page-turner. So it's a well-written whodunit set on a remote Irish island which features a wedding where one of the guests is brutally murdered. So each chapter is told... You had me at the guest list. Oh, Sounds unbelievable. No, it's, I've been wanting to read it all year. It finally came in from the library. It is fabulous. The island is, you know, lots of sort of um, atmospheric descriptions of Irish bog and peat and, you know, Celtic crosses and it's just fantastic. Anyway, each chapter is told from the perspective of one of the guests. So you've got the bride, the bridegroom, the wedding planner, the bridesmaid, and the way they all interrelate. It is fabulous. It's like a contemporary Agatha Christie in the best way. I, I hate to say Beach Read, but it's really good. Caro, my brother Steve, who reviews crime novels for our website and our newsletter, uh, gave this, I think, a five out of five. He likes to rate his books. It's so good. when he reviewed this, he gave it a plus, which is, he's a mean and harsh taskmaster. Yeah. No, it's he's really good. Really. Oh, I'm yeah. glad. No, I thought I was on the money there. Now, my second one is The Dictionary of Lost Words by Pip Williams, which I read in 
lockdown. And it's a gorgeous read set in Edwardian England and it's based on the history of the writing of the Oxford English Dictionary. And stay with me, that sounds a bit dull. But the main characters are, first of all, the motherless, ever-curious Esme and her father who actually works on the real aforementioned Oxford English Dictionary. But Esme assembles a dictionary of her own collecting sort of words and wisdom as she goes through life. It's actually beautiful and I cried at the end. It's it's gorgeous. So it's sort of, it's based on fact, but it's, and it's sort of women's lib, women, not women's lib, All the lib, words but are related to women that he threw under the table. Yeah. It's, mm. Have you read it? No, I, I have been, well, I haven't read oh, it's anything It's really good, really but, good. But I know we're going to talk in a little moment about books that we're taking away on holiday and that yeah. is one. No, and my final one is a non-fiction for you, Corrie, because I know you love non-fiction, Troy by Stephen ah. Fry. And it's just, I've just started it and, of course, it fits perfectly with my Greek mythology interest. Anyway, Fry retells the epic story of the siege of Troy and it's got it all. Heroism and hatred, love and loss, revenge and regret, desire and despair. What more could you want in a Christmas read? (laughs) They're great. Troy has been retold many times in modern times, haven't they? The Pat Barker one is fantastic. He's great because he's already done Heroes. And so he's done two other Greek mythology books. So now he's. You never know where it sits in the bookshop, nonfiction or fiction. It's a constant question about where do you put these Stephen Fry books? They are non. I I thought that was nonfiction, just that. I thought, well, there yeah, was a but, but it is, Troy, it, but it is. You're right. It's just, it's an odd. It is. We've yeah. put it in the non-fiction section, but there was discussion whether it should go yeah. here or there. Interesting, Corey. Mm, interesting. Mum, have you got anything you want to add to books you've loved this year? Um, yes, I got a wonderful book. The good uncle got for me. It's called Danubia. It's a history of the Habsburgs from early, early prehistory up to the later times. I'll just bring you a quick discussion of it. For much, uh, for centuries, much of Europe was in the hands of the very peculiar Habsburg family, an unstable mixture of wizards, obsessives, melancholics, bores, musicians and warriors. They saw off through luck, guile and sheer mulishness any number of rivals until finally packing it in in 1918. <laughs> <laughs> it is... Ripping. Wonderful history and funny as a fit. Oh, okay. um, I've never heard of Danubia. No, it's, no, it's well, he's great title. And, and well. beautiful cover of the book. Simon yeah. Winder, he's written another book called Germania, which Uncle also thought was fantastic, but I was more interested in this. And I want to do, to annoy Corey, a historic book that I've listened to coming here as a talking book. Oh, that's it's the annoying part. Ants up the cross. No, it's a classic oh, you've, Australian you've mentioned book. mentioned that on the podcast before. Have I mentioned before? it before? Yes. Yeah, have. It is so good. It is so funny and so terribly sweet. And Clive James said it is the perfect small Australian book he was always looking for. No, I, I, you, you you reviewed it so well that I I actually you lent me the talking book and I also because sometimes Corrie you do need to do a talking book because you're driving yeah. a long way. Oh well, way. I mean I'm sure it's still Listen in print. Listen to Don't Shoot no, Messenger, I, aren't you? Joel, I got it after oh, you yes. reviewed it 
and I absolutely loved it. And isn't that not the best title, Aunts Up the Cross? Yes. yes. I mean, yes. it's just fabulous. It's uh, No, I've got it. I can lend mm. it to you, Corrie. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Corrie, what, what, oh, what's on your summer reading list, Corrie? Okay, so apart from uh, the lost word, the, the people, Dic- Williams, Dictionary, Dictionary of Lost, lost Words, words um, I have started, but I put to one side till after Christmas because I'm loving it so much, The Secret Life of the Savoy by Olivia Williams. So this is the true story of the Doyley Cart family who were millionaires. Uh, they made their money through musical comedy, of course, Think Gilbert and Sullivan and all of that sort of stuff. And they owned the Savoy Theatre and uh, the forebear um, – decided in his wisdom to buy the theatre next door, uh, sorry, to buy the hotel next door. And, of course, the Savoy became the chic, wonderful, curious and eccentric place for so many uh, great stars to stay. So I'm lo- I am loving that, but I'll put it to one side. The Tolstoy Estate by Stephen Conti. He wrote The Zookeeper's War a few years ago and won the Prime Minister's Award. He's an Australian writer. Uh, this is only his second novel, I believe, or third perhaps. Um, long time between drinks. Can't wait to read that. Set in Russia. And Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam, which um, received my colleague Scott's Best Fiction for 2020 award. Did he write Never Let Me Go? No. Oh. No, so- that was Chris I think that was Chris Cleave, was it? I can't oh, remember now. Okay. Um, and then the other one, and Jewel, this has your name written all over it. If one of your children doesn't give you this for Christmas, I'm bringing it to you on your holiday. It's called Why I Am Not a Millionaire by Nancy Spain. Do you know who Nancy Spain oh, was? Oh, yes, yes, very well. So yes. Nancy Spain was a British uh, prolific writer, columnist and broadcaster in England in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Oh, sorry, 40s, 50s, 60s. Mm. Great friend of Noel Coward and the like. She was in Mm. with everybody, eccentric, crazy, lived openly with her in a gay relationship with her female part of her partner and she had a couple of children from another marriage. Um, She was wild, she was wacky and she tragically died in in a an aeroplane accident, too young, but this is the story of her life, Why I'm Not a Millionaire, written by her. I cannot wait to read it. A new edition has just arrived in the bookshop with Nancy sitting on the top of a, um, it looks like a camper van, some oh. sort of 50s-style camper van. It is. It's great. You'll love it. So that's on my list. Carol, oh. what are you taking away on your summer holiday? Oh, well, um, I just wanted to talk about my favourite book of the year, which... Oh, okay. Is that all right? Sorry. You and whatever you want. I've got a couple of... Uh, well, I've, I've got a very long list, a lot more Angela Thurkles I've got to wade through now that... <laughs> Can you come and buy them all from me because they're sitting there looking at me? They didn't take off? Uh, no. Well, oh. I mean, we had a couple of potties come in and say, who was it, Angela Merkel, which is now stuck in my head. <laughs> no, she's just, she's just, once you, you, have, you take it, need a book to get into her, but once you do, it's such a lovely world to transport yourself into. But I think, um, Anna, I think you put me onto this one and we did it at a book club, but I reckon Maggie O'Farrell's Hamnet oh, totally. was my favourite. I mean, I've read a lot of great books this year, but I just love that. I don't know why it's really stayed with me, that book. Totally stayed with me too, I agree. I think The Plague, just... It, it, received, it received my book of the year. So in the bookshop, we all said which was our favourite fiction, and that was mine. I think I might have mentioned that on the podcast before that, and and Cara was too busy looking at the footy scores, Jane. No, we've talked, remember that. No, we we talked, talked about, about it. it. I'm talking about my book of the year. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. And it's I also, great. And I think that um, I'm told her back catalogue is absolutely brilliant as well. I've read most of hers, as I'm sure you have, and but she normally does relationship-based set in Ireland, a lot of mother-child 
fantastic. I mean, she's got you laughing. Well, she's got you Anna, crying. That's another this is one her in first the, historical This is one, another one in the – it is her first historical yeah. novel and that's another one in the pile. I haven't read uh, Instructions on a Heat Wave or Instructions for a Heat Wave, which is set in London in that heat wave in, the ni- in 1974. That's good, but th- th- there's something – I think there's one called Now That You've Gone or Since You've Been Gone. The early ones are fantastic. I like the heat wave one. There's another one about Esme, someone about a the lost The really sister. exciting thing is that she's younger than us, so she's got years and years of writing ahead of, ahead of her, so oh, we're locking into her. I love when, the look of her. When Carol Shields died I and know. Wallace Stegner died, you just yeah. went, oh, no, there's none left. No, she's taking up the mantle. I remember your husband, Anna, when um, not um, – Daniel uh, Daniel Silver, the um, Philip uh, Kerr, Philip Kerr. Oh, God, he's still in mourning. <laughs> he's obsessed with Philip Kerr and his back. He was in mourning about that. <laughs> no, he's still obsessed. Could I just make a general statement about books? Yes. Because speaking of my generation, of if any of you are listening, as Peter Carey said, possibly the only truthful author who was interviewed by The Age, he said he couldn't concentrate, so only reread old May Grey thrillers with <laughs> its images of Paris and the small glass of wine followed by the Calvados followed by something else. And that was so true of most people I talked to. They had to reread old books. They couldn't read anything new. They were too generally tense. Well, I, I sort of get that, but no, I, yeah, I, I found, I discovered some great, see, I'd never read anything by Malcolm Knox, and I know you thought it needed a good edit, but... I love Bluebird, but I, I thought it was a little long. A Bluebird would rolling be... Rolling of eyes. Oh, I, I loved right. it. I loved it. Didn't That's you like it, That's because you can't or... find anything on your bookshelves, <laughs> you and Corrie, the way you <laughs> colour coordinate them. Oh, and you have Kafka next to... Um, Yes, but we know that. Nancy, um, Nancy Midford. Midford. I mean, yes, because it's too they're both, much. Because they're both red covers. <laughs> did you, know did you really not enjoy Bluebird? No, I didn't. But, Caro, oh, look, I, 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 haven't, I haven't taken you to task on it because, as you know, I mean, I couldn't I, put it down. Julia has. No, ref- I couldn't put it Julia down. Julia has referred out to loud. people who yeah. have had a, had a, you know, attention issue this year and certainly I'm in that category and mm. it seems with people who come into the bookshop that 2020 has been a divided church. You've either really got into reading and you've you've allowed fiction especially to take you away into a new and exciting place and travel which is important yes. or you're just like me and you just can't focus on a big no. story. No. So I found non-fiction tended to be my go-to this year because it was easy but gee it's been hard to get through some and, and Bluebird did come into my life at a time, Caro, when I was particularly, like September, you know, particularly yes. stressed. So yeah. I don't think I gave it the good runaround, but I do agree with Anna. You said to me that Anna had said it needed a good edit, and I completely agree with that. Oh, the, the, the scenes with the parents made me laugh oh, out loud. Laugh. I was in the town. I was in the coastal town. Absolutely enjoyed it. And I would recommend The Survivors too by Jane Harper. It is a beach read, but it's a great, you know, good modern Aussie thriller. Love really it. looking forward to, um, you know, the Eric Banner, The Dry. The Dry. The dry. That would be great. Well. Now, screen highlights, anyone? Did anyone see something they well, absolutely yeah, love? I would have to say, uh, as I said um, on the other podcast the other day, um, The Queen's Gambit, Cara, you tipped me into that and I cannot recommend it more highly. That's just been the highlight of the past month. The month before that, of course, The Crown for me. Mm. And I would have to say Jiri Haji. Do you remember the Japanese? Yep, that's on my oh, list, yeah. my yep. goodness gracious. With a nod to 000, which. Um, 
it got me in a pickle because we went to episode four on our Netflix thing before we actually went to episode one. So that was a curious beginning of watching that. But once we worked out that we were on the wrong episode, we were on track from that point. I saw um, little fires everywhere. Yep, that Do you was remember good. that with Reese Witherspoon? Yep. I thought that deserved a nomination. Yep. Couldn't really binge watch that. Really enjoyed that it. That was great. The, uh, my my pick of the year was Afterlife, which um, was early was on this year. God. Well, for me it was. Um, we watched. Mm, it. I think it came out last year, but yeah, oh, you watched it early in, in the May. year. Didn't we you? watched it in May, and both, I think you both series. I just with Ricky Gervais, that was definitely my best of the whole year. I loved it. What about you, Mum? No, I just. Binge watched um, Andrew, Shana, and Charlie, especially Charlie. Trust me, I'm a landscaper. Oh, what a hunk! I'd have him do my landscaping what in a minute. What show are we talking about? Oh, selling houses Australia. It's on every night on every channel, as far as I can see. And they go into your. Ha- Andrew goes in, says it's. Absolutely ghastly, and how could anyone buy this house? But I've got two magicians out there, he calls in Shana, who comes in generally in the daytime in sort of black chiffon with an uneven hemline and stilt heels, and Charlie, who looks at the garden and goes, oh. And then in five minutes, Shane has got her boiler suit on and she's taken down walls, introduced <laughs> fur cushions into every room. And Charlie, for, I don't know, $5,000, has remodelled, replanted acres of landscape. It's just riveting. <laughs> they go all over Australia. As he says, coastal country, town. You know. Now, Actually, hands off our Shana because she's a customer of ours, Jill, so we love oh, her. She, well, doesn't come, lo- she doesn't come in the sh- black chiffon, but she usually looks I love Shana. Is this Shana from the block? Mm. Oh, Jill, I'm with you with her gear. It's just <laughs> extraordinary. Miss Jane's intervening here. Sorry, uh, we've run out of mics, but can I just say, I actually did a podcast with Shana Blaze <gasps> this year called Homestyle. She is the loveliest, loveliest person in the I world. I'll get you onto it, Jules. Gorgeous. And I just ran out to answer her phone because I just bought a house in the country, so <gasps> Shana is going to be my best friend. You bought oh, the Jane. Jane, you buried the lead. The one you were telling us about Yay, with the rose garden. Oh, oh. Are you having Charlie too? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll come. The one with the second little studio bit. Oh, Jane. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations, Jane. Oh, what a, that, that's a Christmas present. You didn't tell us present. that on a busy morning. Oh, that's that is oh. a Christmas I was, I was going to ask you about it when I came in. That is a good oh, Christmas oh. present. Almost as good as a baby. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> Not a competition. <laughs> no, no. Well, somebody said before a baby. for, But, you know, a house is... <laughs> oh, a house is very exciting, Jane. Oh, yes. Jane, That's great, Janie. Huge That'll news. keep you busy. We won't see you next year. Where's Jane, the producer? Oh, she's off planting her avocado farm. Now, can I With just... With Charlie. When we move into recipe highlights of the year, I think my Daniel Alvarez, the chicken legs with the risoni and the lemon and the dill would be my absolute highlight, which is a, a podcast pass. But I did glaze a Christmas ham last night, girls, and I just want to say just a few little tips. Go to Stephanie, you know, pretty much improvise on what you've got, though. I mean, if you don't have honey or you don't want to use maple syrup or you're not sure about the brown sugar, just leftover apricot jam. Works just marmalade. as well. Marmalade. Marmalade. Well, I, OJ. I, I used orange marmalade. But mm. um, 
But I um the one thing I just remember, give it a few minutes in, in a hot oven. So then the skin comes off a lot easier and it, you don't lose any of the fat because you know how you want to leave the fat so you can and I my sister taught me out of cherries. She said a bit old school, the old glacade cherries. So I just did apricots studded with cloves. And I made a I just kept adding to the mixture. But I think the other tip, Stephanie says mustard. My sister says Keynes mustard powder. Mm. Dad yes, mustard. English mustard. Yeah. Yep. I've got the mustard powder. I still say pineapple. It might be 70s, but oh, it, love it, it works. Well, my, and everyone picks it off and eats my it. My aunt through marriage, Maria Prendergast, gave me a great recipe, which um, I use when I cook a ham. Not this year, but uh, it's marmalade with Keynes mustard. Mm. So yes. and you just it's just marmalade jam and you just yeah. break it mm. down with hot water. And and the um, I just squeezed a whole lot of oranges with orange rind because I had them. But pineapple juice is the yeah. other one from the can of your pineapple. From the yes. can of your pineapple, yep, absolutely. And um, and the other thing is they all look burnt in all the pictures this year. So I did leave it in for about an extra twenty minutes, and it's come out looking very burnt, which I'm happy with. But I like that sort of caramelised. Yep. Exactly, exactly. Do you have a recipe of the year, Anna? You've done, you have done some cooking. I have done some cooking. That's one thing I've done in COVID. And my recipe, I won't tell you the recipe, I'll just tell you what it is. It's the upside down blood orange cake oh. recipe given to me by our friend Annabella Hearn, who gave me a bag of homegrown tangelos. And I thought, what the hell will I do with these? She said, here's the cake recipe. Oh, that's a double and gift. Isn't double it? gift. And it has been a birthday cake. It's been a pudding with yogurt after dinner. It's just been a nibbling cake. And I thought this morning we'll be having it at the G, hopefully next oh, year. Oh, It'll carry well in a Tupperware. And it's it looks incredible because you've got the yeah, fruit on the top. Yes, on the top. Beautiful. But, I mean, I did tangelos. I've done oranges. You could probably do lemons. You could really do anything. And it's really easy. That, and I remember when Anna sent it was a little bit show-offy because it was an amazing picture. No, it's just not showy-offy. On no. the, the Cornball's WhatsApp, we share, yeah. we oh, share no. tips. Yeah. Uh, I was more saying this is yeah, exactly. really easy. We share good easy. tips, Anna. Gary. You might be using the Cornball WhatsApp to show off, but we're no, not. No, and no, I was, no, because we're all putting pictures up and that one was so much better no. than anyone else. I mean, it was but the Cara, best-looking cake I've ever seen. It, it was so – I couldn't believe it We have it to put this so recipe easy. on the WhatsApp. No. Um, I will get to Jewel in a minute, but just on the cake thing um, – I'm with you, Anna. The, this has just been my fallback. It's the Julia Bazutal Nishimura pear ricotta and pine nut cake, which, as I explained uh, on the previous Yum. podcast, I received the cookbook earlier than everybody else. I had an advanced copy. So I started cooking this in May and I basically haven't stopped. No wonder um, <laughs> I'm carrying the COVID kilos. Oh. But it's, a, we used, it's a great recipe. You, you gave you it to love me. It, yeah. Loved and, it. and we did it again just the other day for Coco's birthday lunch and everybody snaps their elastics. It's light, it's beautiful. <laughs> and so I would really suggest that. Julia, what has been your wonderful thing to cook in 2020? Do you have something that was a fallback? No, I didn't do much cooking at all. Very basic. (laughs) I just went to the pran market at seven in the mornings and bought enough garfish for my sister and three nights. And that was my staple food because my favourite thing and only the market have it. Lovely Mr. Claringbold. And if we were having turkey, I'd be doing (laughs) mum's devil turkey legs from Constance Spry. Oh, yum. In the old days, turkeys were so big, wouldn't get in the primitive oven. Mum took the leg off, the legs off. And then the next day, you cooked them up with a slit, mustard and various things. It's in Constance Constance Spry. Constance Spry, the rose grower. 
Isn't there a rose named Constance Bride? Yes, yes. it's called yes. after the great cookery writer. Oh, okay. We've all, I we've all, we've all got copies of her. All got Constance yeah. Bride. But can Leonard I do Gordy a shout out? Don't you love the word devil to yeah. mean split legs or split flesh or something? It this sounds is, naughty. Do you want to stay in the kitchen for five hours? This is lovely. <laughs> but you don't have to do much. You just sort of have to sit there. You could drink it's, in a groanie. <laughs> <laughs> the best cook I ever knew, a shout-out to Susie Hasty, now gone. Chocolate orange peel. Take the pith off orange peel. Slice very slightly. Put in water to soften. Pat dry. Put in bed of caster sugar in baking dish and bake till table mat brown. That's funny, isn't it? <laughs> table, mat, table mat brown. Might take several 60s. hours. Then when cold and dry, swirl round in saucepan of melted chocolate. Don't put water in the chocolate and let dry. The best after-dinner treat of all time. That sounds absolutely delicious. It is. if you didn't put the chocolate on it, could you put it in your oh, Negroni yes. for a bit of a you know, oh. real hit of orange? Oh, Anna. You know, ha- you could do half and half. Table half the brown, drink. Table yeah. brown, uh, brown table, candied ta- orange peel. Yes, I think that'd be great in your Negroni. And I then just want to know what chocolate. table matte brown looks like. Come well, on, I don't... I, I like, imagine it like that sort of earthenware. You know, yeah, what were those? Yeah, Arabia plates. Brown Arabia plates. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, it sounds delicious, Oh, it was beautiful. She took it as a present when we... Several girls had a trip to the far-off bush once and she gave it to the hostess and the next day we were all going out and the hostess grabbed Susie and said, you're staying home and making that orange peel again. (laughs) So we all went off to wineries while she cooked. Cook, cook the whole of the next day. That is so far. Oh well, that, well, that's a great tip. I've played golf with Susie Hasty a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's, she, she was, was a lovely. lovely golfer, beautiful golfer in her day. Lovely woman, sister-in-law of Tom Crow, who also left us this year. Yes, he did. Former Australian amateur champion he and did. founder of Cobra Golf Clubs. Lovely, lovely man. So there's some recipe highlights. Well, wow. um, we've been all over the place. We're deviling. Well, we won't be deviling turkey legs this year. But, Mum, no. you can you probably buy them at Claring Bowls. And, what, a leg? Not yeah, they sell turkey bowls, legs. They're fishmen. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Why sorry. Be... Sisters over the, yeah. on the yeah. other side it's of the market. You're, you're obsessed by seafood. I okay, let's, tell. Move, let's move on. And sure, you're not going to get that turkey, however we hard you try. We, we, need to, we, we don't need to, need to, to ask Mum what she's grumpy about. Well, I was going to say, Julie, you just covered your, your – we allocated you the grumpy position, this, but I think we've heard a bit of grumpiness That's about all? no having no turkey at Christmas. Six quick questions. I'm going to – are we going to ask Anna about travel vouchers? We worked out that we'd No, made, we're going to ask no. Anna, what Christmas gift are you giving yourself? What uh, Christmas gift are you giving yourself, Anna? Thank you, Caro. Not a travel voucher. Um, I've found under the tree a present which says to Anna with love and best wishes from Anna, wrapped <laughs> by Anna, and it is Dolly Parton, song teller, My Life in Lyrics, and on the cover it says, explores the songs that have defined her journey. It's oh, sounds pretty it's good. well, this book. It's selling well. amazing. And, and did looks... you sign inside, dear Anna, best wishes, love Anna? No, but it have written on the card and everyone's just laughing at me. I said, remember when Uncle Clive did the lawnmower <laughs> to Clive with best wishes from Clive and put it under the tree? So, I don't remember <laughs> that. Yes, that's a famous st- Christmas story. Neville Crow, the former Richmond president and player, wrote letters to himself, didn't he, to motivate himself. I don't know. He used to go to the letterbox. He did and say, oh, look, I've got... <laughs> 
But <laughs> dear Neville, Jan, man up. Jan, our friend Jan Richmond, Graham's <laughs> widow, told us that. <laughs> oh, that's oh, in a good what, way. He put a stamp. <laughs> yes. Dear Neville, how are things? Yeah. yeah he, no, he well, no, but that was a way he motivated himself. But he you couldn't just write it out on a bit of paper and leave it by the phone. Well, I think it Jan's was, repertoire is so <laughs> extensive and so wonderful <laughs> that. <laughs> You get onto one and you workshop that for ten minutes. I tell, I tell you what, you know, as, as, a, as a nod to Richmond, who are premiers until, you know, as you always remind me, the end of the 2021 season, not the beginning, let's have Jan Richmond on next year. Oh, we should. Let's be do great. that. Oh, she'd be wonderful. Um, okay. oh, she'd be the show, wouldn't Julia, she? I have a question for you. What was your most successful gardening exploit in 2020? Oh, um, being advised to rather struggling and indifferent hydrangeas. They needed potassium or potash and don't throw away all the ash from the fires, which I used to have so much, three fires a week at least. And now I heaped it up round the hydrangeas and the blue one is much taller than me. I don't know whether it's the rain, it may be, or it may be it needed the... Lift off. Mm, very good tip, that one. Mm. Oh, okay, potash in the hydrangeas. Well, your garden is looking pretty good. And those new um, dahlias, the yellow and red ones, look oh, absolutely mm. beautiful. Mum's been pl- prowling around, you know, back streets of Hawthorne and got the most beautiful um, geranium cuttings too. Mm. Yep. Thieving. Scrumping, Corrie. Scrumping is the word. Well, like our friend Trudes, has always has a pair of secretaries in her your, pocket. You never know oh, what well. you're going to say. But this see. is your mother. No. <laughs> I've got some growing in my garden. I'm thrilled. <laughs> I'm sure Miss, jo- Miss, well, Miss Jane is a queen of that. I mean, look, some of the stuff she picks up from the side of the road is unbelievable. <laughs> Corrie, is a woman ever too old to rock a bikini, to wear no, a bikini? No, no, no. And if you doubt this, just go and, well, you won't be able to do this probably in our lifetime again, but just go and sit on a beach in Italy and you'll be convinced that you can be <laughs> any age. Although Nora Ephron did say... Oh, how I regret not having worn a bikini for the entire year I was 26. If anyone young is reading this, go right this minute. Put on a bikini and don't take it off until you're 34. That's good advice. I mean, although very good comment and we love some of Nora's comments, but I reckon um, Helen Mirren rewrote the bikini rules. I mean, how amazing does she look in a bikini? And, you know, I I know, I mean, I hate this word, tankini, hate it, hate it, but I don't mind a tankini. I must say, because then you can get your tummy a bit brown if you want one. Don't you know what a tankini is? You look is, right in a tankini, Corrie. Oh, think, that I was your you cue, can... Anna. I'm glad no, you picked I'm, that up. I'm just saying. No, <laughs> I'm just saying. Could, you could also wear a bikini. Oh, I don't think. I don't think when you've had three caesareans and no. six pregnancies well, that actually have having be, <laughs> bikinis no, have to be g-strings. I mean, they can be. But just sometimes, I, I mean, There's my sister Julie's got the great figure, and she tried to buy the bikini, and she actually purchased. Just never got well, it on. Well, you see, Anna, yeah. this is the we you talked, know, she, we talked she's about tall this. tall and lovely long legs, a, a, but she just couldn't yeah, and a, get a, it a right. A gang of us were shopping in Italy one day. The girls were in the bikini shop, and we were actually talking about this. That in in Europe they make really good bikinis for women. Like they'll have cupped mm. the cups in the top, and the and the pants are quite a bit big, you know, and yeah. a bit firm. But in Australia, you can't really get a decent bikini for somebody who's over the age of 45. They don't really make them. So there's a business opportunity. There was um, an article in The Age about bikinis, all sorts of bathers, and they uh, talked about ones with higher waists. Yeah. And it did sound 
more yes. what you're talking I, about. I think you can. Uh, so look, but you won't be seeing me one in me in one this year. <laughs> now, um, Carol, what summer gizmos are you looking forward to trying out this year? Your heated. Um, Fluffy slippers that you'll get for Christmas or the knife not, sharpener or? Not, oh, well, there's only three that I swear by every summer. I won't be getting an air fryer. Too complicated and oh. too much um, space taken up in the kitchen. The electric knife, brilliant for turkey, well, not turkey, ham. <laughs> don't <laughs> mention Seafood. The, don't the great sandwiches. Them, don't the, mention the tea word. The electric <laughs> knife, the salad spinner, which is also brilliant for herbs. And you use it every single day in summer and they are just one of the best inventions mm. and they've been around for a long time. My newest um, present to myself a few months ago was a um, were herb cutters. Oh, you know, the ones with all they? the – yeah, they really work. They really, really I work. I have, for I doing have those. You mean, you mean yeah. in with, – in yeah. kitchen cutters, yes, yeah, they, yeah, I use them. They cut, cut up. They've they look six, like craft scissors. They, yeah, have, they have six like, little things. Six I little always thought they were thinking your Tonya Tom. They are the yeah. best. They are the best. They, I agree. they really, really work. So, so oh. they're my three. Mum, what are your tips to families getting ready to pack up for their summer beach holiday? Just leave everything in the front hall. Everything, however small, and even if it's extra pairs of underpants, just leave them in the hall. Otherwise, you'll forget them. Okay, great tip. And if you saw Mum's Hall, you would know that she is living proof of her own advice. Um, Corrie, I think you've got the last question. Oh, God, sorry. I'm just behind the eight ball here. So my last question is to you, Anna. What is your favourite ritual of a summer beach holiday? Well, I was thinking about this and I thought lots of rituals from the, you know, lovely sunset drink on the beach to the afternoon snooze. But I think my favourite, and I'm not just being friendly here is my walks with you two at the beach early in and, the morning. And Trudes. And Trudes. Our four Where walk. we just walk everywhere, sometimes with dogs, sometimes without. And we workshop everything that we've seen, done, read or eaten from the previous day. And then we talk about what we're going to do, see, read and eat that night. And there is a lot of discussion about food. But I think most people on a summer holiday would agree with that. There's a lot of discussion about food. That's a lovely thing. And so that's probably my favourite ritual. And once you've done that, really, the day's your own. As you famously said, Anna, in one of your um, brilliant birthday speeches, thank God dogs can't talk. (laughs) (laughs) Can't repeat what they hear. And, Caro, soon it'll be grandchildren, babies, thank God they can't repeat. Although oh, maybe they can God. at some point. Oh, they, yeah, then they get minds of their own and that's another whole ball game. Mum, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me, darling. Only one thing you didn't cover, Businesswoman of the Year. Could I get Anna to discuss her best day when the um, lockdown ended and she opened her op shop again? Yes, that was that was um, you had an unbelievable day, didn't you? Well, you've had a few unbelievable we, yes, days. Our first day back was just extraordinary. I think every man and his dog came in. I can't even remember how much we took, but it was thousands upon thousands. And I it was, heard seven thousand. I think it might right? have been, yeah, and it was just fabulous in an op shop. Are there any unbelievable items you wanted to highlight that people have brought brought in? No, but our only my last funny story was uh, we've just had the. Um, donation from um, what was prisoner, now Wentworth. So they rang and they said, come and pick up Wentworth. So we've got the freaks' (laughs) pyjamas, 
I've got a very pair of snazzy thongs that could have been B. Smiths. I don't know, but you'll be seeing them on the walks. But it is hilarious. And there's bags What do you bags. They picked up the whole set? Well, we picked up all their gear. So there's bags and bags of big white gumboots. I said to Chris, what's that from? He said, oh, is that working in the laundry or the workhouse? Or So there's a lot of... We wanted boiler suits, sadly. Not too many boiler suits, but, you know... That, so that's been actually quite fun, unpacking. Oh, you know, you realise now, potties are just going to be making a beeline mm. for your. Would you like to give the what? address Gumboots. again for your upper shop? Two six two Chapel Street, Paran, and we're open seven days a week, and not on Christmas Day, but the rest of the time. So come and say hi. And just mentioning Mr. B, your husband, I did see him um, on a on an ad that moved me to tears recently on bushfires. Oh, that was the ad, the fire ad from last year that actually they had to take off the TV because the fires were upon us. Yeah, it just got a rerun. Got a a rerun. And no, it's been great. And it's actually a really fantastic ad. It's a very moving ad. I'm not just saying that because I think Chris is wonderful in it, but. Although Chris's sister rang him and said, look, you were good in the air, but you could have got a new shirt. Chris <laughs> said, that was the... <laughs> that's it. That's the role. So we were laughing, but thank you. Oh, that, that is very... Well, actually, can I just give a plug to Ned Donoghue, who's just completed another campaign for Country Road, another one about regeneration, this time about water and summer and drought, and it's really, really good I'm loving. I'm oh. loving Ned's films. I I just... Is it on... Is it an ad? It's, it's, some, it's sort of a campaign. It's, I, I'm not sure. If it's quite out, is so if, you, if people yes, go to if people go to Country Road on the Instagram account, um, you can find it. That's one way you can find it. Because he, he Miles didn't. Barry last night was raving about Ned's work. Oh, that's... so totally. I said we've you've got to meet up. So yeah, small world. He oh, does post production and well, this Ned was only involved in the post production because he couldn't travel to Sydney because of COVID to film this one. No, but, Miles um, said it was wonderful, but I thought I haven't seen it on TV. Well, if you're walking past a Country Road outlet, yeah. the one on the corner of Turek Road and Chapel Street, it's on the TV. Oh, and so at night we've got a Country Road in Albert Park. So. Well, I think they'll probably have it there anyway, Anna. Fabulous to have you in. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Anna. Merry Christmas. Corrie, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you, my friend. And Merry Christmas to Miss Jane, who is just, uh, you know, we wouldn't be here without you, Jane. And you better stay around because we'll fall apart. We'll be getting lots of roses from that garden next year, which I'm very (gasps) excited about, Jane. That is such fabulous news. Miss Jane is doing a tree change, but she'll still be coming here to be our friend. You and better, Jane. Lots of others as well. She's or become... I'm not giving you my Christmas gift. Well, he, he has to because there's going to be a lot of work to do on that wonderful, wonderful house. Happy Christmas, everybody. And remember, Corrie, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs>